2: I, Charles IV. Oh, is it the third? Bloody We will strive so for the d-
3: delights de- of the patient. Let me can put yes, oh, yes. it to you, Justin If you win by one, one you have won.
0: The phone went
3: over the side. It is time to destroy the I just think everyone should be sure what the fuck is going on. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? We are in a war on woke and we must be vigilant. This is why one newspaper has bravely compiled a list of the top woke currently operating in Britain. People like Sadiq Khan with his planned new GEZ scheme in which anyone inside the gender exchange zone has to pay a daily charge of £300 unless they change their gender before 8am. These people are like the traitors in the 1940s who are secretly working for the Germans. The paper mentions Gary Lineker, who has secretly sold all the goals that he scored to Venezuela, meaning they now reached the semi-final of the 1990 World Cup. And Emily Maitlis with her disgusting anti-royal agenda. These days, we're so woke, you can't even befriend an internationally convicted paedophile without someone wanting to interview you about it. The Archbishop of Canterbury is on the list. Who does he think he is with his plea for kindness to refugees? Doesn't he know the story in the Bible about Moses leading his people away from the evil Pharaoh when Moses arrived at the Red Sea and proclaimed with courage and faith that his people would flee the tyrant to safety. And then we're told, God did look upon Moses and did open the heavens. And he did say unto the prophet Moses, stop the boats. And God did command upon the Israelites that should any boat reach land, not Moses nor his followers should be given luxuries such as a sandwich, but must be returned immediately, for there be fucking millions of them coming over here every day, and we're sick of it. Emma Watson's in the list, and someone in charge of libraries, and the chief of Avon and Somerset police, because these are the people running the country. Honest, anti-woke, common, down-to-earth citizens such as Rupert Murdoch, and Boris Johnson and the King are powerless against Emma and the Library Lady and their friends. But this is where we're heading if Keir Starmer wins an election. Christmas will be replaced with a pagan fertility festival in which we all have to ride naked on a unicycle, and we'll all have to crush our cars in exchange for a spring onion. And not only that, but this week the Conservatives said Labour was the friend of the gangster on the street. And this is certainly what you hear in the most violent areas at the moment. If you dare venture near the stairwells of the country's most inaccessible estates, gang leaders are all saying, this is our territory fam, you get me? That way I'm after canvas for Libra and shit, you understand me, bruv? Anyone think I split the vote via voting for Lib Demo shit, they get murked fam, it? If you consider this for a moment, there might be a slight contradiction between saying Labour is the party of the extreme woke, but also the party of the drug-dealing street gang who aren't always in the avant-garde of trans rights and third-wave feminism, but that just shows how canny they are. Soon, a newspaper will dare to publish a list of Friends of the Gangster. And there will be Cheryl Baker from Buck's Fears and the team from Antiques Roadshow and the gay couple from Gogglebox and Captain Barnacles out of Octonauts and St Paul's Cathedral and the Lake District and Ponies and they're all crack dealers and the gangster's friend and that's what you're going to get if you vote Labour. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck? What the fuck is going on? This week, money saving expert Martin Sunak. Ease the country's money worries by explaining that there are plenty of ways to see us through the current financial difficulties, and we're lucky enough to have him on this podcast once again to answer all your cost of living questions. Hi, Martin. Here uh, is that Eileen on line three. Are you there, Eileen? Oh well, hello, Martin. Yeah, can can you hear me? Uh, yes, I'm here. How are you today?
0: Well, I've been uh, I've been better, Martin. Um. I'm on a very tight budget with two children under 5 and right. my childcare costs have gone up from 1000 pounds a month to 1200. I mean, mm. I might as well not work at all. It's all going on childcare.
3: Oh, yes, yes.
0: And and I'm worried sick, Martin. You, is there any is there any scheme out there that might help? Cuz but well, I'm at a loss.
3: Mm, yes. Well, uh, thank you so much for your call. Eileen and I I feel your pain. I I really do. But I'm pleased to say there is a scheme. Uh, You can register your children in Panama as non domiciles. And, uh, well, this means that they will pay much less tax. I'm sure you've set them up with a few million in property and bonds. Well, in this way, they'll hardly be liable for any tax at all on their earnings, and you can carry on working with no worries at all. <laughs>
0: I don't understand. My kids haven't got any money. Well, apart from 50 quid from their grandma. But Honestly,
3: it's- Eileen, it's it's not as complicated as it sounds. I really, really urge you to, uh, to, to look into it. Thank you very much for calling. No, but wait,
0: you haven't actually
3: answered. Uh, now, on line no, two, on, uh, is that Albert? Hello, Martin. How are you today, Albert? Well, I have good days and bad days, Martin. I'm homeless mm. at the moment. So last night, I was in a hostel. <laughs> yes, I, I feel your pain, Albert. I really do. I mean, we had a similar problem last summer when our home in the Maldives flooded and we had to stay in a hotel.
2: <laughs> right, well, my problem is I can't get work as I don't have an address and I can't get an address as I haven't got
3: work. Do, do you see the problem? Okay, Albert. Now, uh, can I ask, What's your current income? Income? Well, well, I collected eight quid yesterday outside Turnpike Lane Underground. Great. So that's your turnover. So go to the board of your company, say that you're willing to sell a percentage of shares in exchange for property. And uh, no, hang on, Martin, you haven't you haven't answered uh, my question, so Martin. Thank you so much for calling out, I mean, But don't forget, we'll be back next week for more saving with Sunak. Saving with Sunak. Now, nobody has ever attempted the arduous task of finding out what the fuck is going on has managed it without expert advice. And uh, we are very, very fortunate to have with us someone today who's been sort of struggling. I think struggling is a fair word to find out what the fuck is going on for many decades in many different
2: ways, yeah. Mr Hugh Dennis. Thank you very much. In all sorts of aspects of my life as well, not just the news, I mean, just everything. One thing I would like to know, because we're doing this over Zoom, aren't we, sort of, so I can see you. You appear to have put Vaseline across the lens yeah. in a 1930s sort of film star kind of way, Mark.
3: Well, yeah, I did do that. Is that. I can't, to, to make uh... yourself look slightly anymore. <laughs> Yeah, 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 to make myself look a little bit more sepia. Yeah, no, yeah, it's good. It's, a bit, it's, a, it's an old trick that, it's old trick that <laughs> Betty Davis used to do yeah. when it's she working. was in podcasts in the 1930s. I bet young people do think that, I, but I bet young people go, oh, like, I bet if you look at like, podcasts in the 1930s and shit, it's all like sepia and shit, you yeah. get me, in it?
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's good. It might just be that you've got quite an old computer with an old camera on it. <laughs> Is I've that got a more very likely. old
3: computer. It's, it's two years old, and uh, I on. might as well have a fucking Morris Minor. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible, and its I'll tell you what it is, because I don't normally do adverts, but I'm going to do one here. Okay. Acer Computers. Don't ever fucking buy one unless you're very rich and you buy all of them and you chuck them in landfill. It'll probably help to destroy the planet, but the amount of stress that it saves on anyone having to use these hopeless fucking piles of incompetent (laughs) shite will be worth it.
2: Yeah. You know, in an advert, you have to say what you really mean. And I think you'd (laughs) think...
3: uh so, yeah. now, what? we yeah. were just chatting there as this rancid piece of fucking electronic bollocks word its way into action uh about your your little morning stroll
2: yeah no i had a little morning dog walk up in the wood near my <laughs> near my house beautiful i love a dog walk in the morning it just sort of um it sorts everything out you
3: yeah get- yeah 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 i never well i was never a um I was never a fan of dogs until, um, you know. Then I did get to walk a dog for a bit, and I thought, "Oh no, this is I can I can see this now." Yeah. And
2: well, then, I've, this is uh, the first dog I've ever had, uh, you know, had <laughs> cared for, <laughs> whatever. So I had right. to wait until my late fifties. Is it behave itself? I did used to
3: feel a bit embarrassed sometimes when it when it ran off and at someone's picnic.
2: Oh yeah, but then you realise after a bit that everybody's dog does that. And I think the dogs that don't (laughs) do that are quite boring dogs. (laughs) You can either pretend the dog's not yours or, you know, there are lots of techniques for overcoming that kind of stuff. (laughs) I'd feel quite guilty. I suppose
3: eventually I'd get over that.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, He doesn't really seem to do it, actually, very much. But at 8 o'clock in the morning, there are very few picnics. So that's probably a good thing.
3: <clears throat> and what's your so what's your your
2: dog called ronnie ronnie which is a terrible pun on ronnie barker that's a good pun but people quite often think he, he's actually ronnie cray that's the you know yes that's, that's what i said i said I it named after <clears throat> ronnie
3: ronnie cray and um
2: yes yeah, well he's not <laughs> 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 he's not but people do get confused in the woods and they they sort of half remember his name quite a lot of people call him reggie so right. a lot of people are thinking the way that you're thinking. Mm. They must you be. Know, people of a certain grown age. up in the tough 1960s.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. When when Hugh's dog comes around the woods, whatever else, all the other dogs are safe. No one else There's yeah. uh, you know, no one I, You know, I know sometimes he eats people's picnics and he shits on someone's tablecloth. But whatever else.
2: There's order. He occasionally leaves other dogs hanging from the tree in the middle of the week.
3: I <laughs> just wonder, to teach though, him a lesson. Ronnie was the gay one. I think the people who are calling him Reggie, I think there's a hint of homophobia in there.
2: Really? I think that's a stretch. <laughs> I think they just These days. I can't remember what his name is. I mean, that's <laughs> literally that. But, you know, there is a sort of, weirdly, I do have a crazy connection. Oh. which is so my my dad was a a vicar right so mm-hmm. when i was a kid he was a vicar of the isle of dogs so you, you mm-hmm. know um opposite greenwich his parish was just opposite <coughs> greenwich on the isle of right. dogs and is my it? mum was a teacher mm-hmm. in the local primary school said the nursery class mm-hmm. and one of her kids supposedly <laughs> this is such a tenuous thing one of her kids was the daughter the Cray Twins getaway driver. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you protected. I've always <laughs> loved that. That makes me proper East End. Doesn't it? Yeah. Proper. It's proper old school East End, that. <laughs> yeah.
3: Now, here's the subject of the week that I think you're going to be the expert on. So, when in yeah. your capacity as now show presenter over the decades, mm-hmm. you've uh, obviously encountered many millions of. Uh, accounts of politicians or instances of politicians not being entirely trustworthy. But Mm. there was one I heard this week. Uh, Robert Jenrick, minister for something, was on LBC with Andrew Castle, the conservative ex-tennis player player. and now tennis commentator. And Robert Jenrick claimed that there was a senior member of Keir Starmer's Labour Party who was uh, unfairly obstructing their efforts to sort out the immigration problem and the boats and so on. And Andrew Castle said, uh, why don't you say which one it? It was what the name is. I, you know, no one can trust your that you might it might not have made this up. You might have made this up because you won't say who it was. And he said, "Well, there's an article in the Sun today, and I say who it was in there." So Andrew Castle said, "Well, I'm I'm looking at the article now, and it doesn't say. It just says a senior member." And Robert Jenrick said, "No, it does say quite clearly in the article." So Andrew Castle said, "Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. There's no name in the article. But even if." If you're, but why don't you just say the name then? I don't need to say the name. He said it's in the article. He said, but it isn't in the article. Yes, it is. He said, I've got it here, and it isn't in there. And even if if you think it doesn't matter, then just say the name. I don't need to say the name. It's in the article. And this went on for about four minutes. And I thought, (laughs) I'm going to ask you this. Has the standard of lying gone down the toilet? Did they used to be better liars
2: than this? But it's, I mean, lying lying is much more... I mean, the whole Trumpian thing is about lying, isn't it? It's just about, you know, is making everything your version of the truth. It's a sort of, you know, what is objective truth is what's going on, really, isn't it? It's a kind of stupid battleground to fight on... I've named someone in the sun. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. No, you haven't.
3: But, but I the think whole, that's but right. The whole... I think that Trump's changed it. Yeah, <clears throat> no, com- and he's then, completely changed it. It's made it so. What? What? I think, and this has happened in a number of areas. I think it's a bit like it. Probably started with the uh, the expenses scandal, which is what about twelve years ago now, isn't it? Hmm. That it started with that. That you sort of create this mood that everybody's at it and strangely it ends up (coughs) um, benefiting the conservatives Hmm. because I think the expenses scandal did and then people who were sort of claiming money for they're uh, cleaning their moat or whatever you know it's like oh yeah but they're all at it and then there's you know an mp for i, I don't know for middlesbrough or something who's found claiming uh, expenses for uh, i don't know buying a washing up bowl and it's all put in the it's all put in the same pot of everybody's at it and somehow the right ended up benefiting from that i'm not quite sure how that happened
2: no i don't know but when during that expenses scandal You know, there were lots of different ways of looking at it. And one was uh, MPs are incredibly corrupt and, you know, they're claiming all these things they shouldn't be claiming. And on the other hand, I remember when that story came up, looking at the, there's a kind of um, world corruption index that you can go and look at, right? And like President Suharto, I think, of Indonesia, eventually lost power. I could be wrong. I'm probably making most of this up, but he had been done eventually for a fraud worth $1.5 billion, right? Where, you know, it was like overseas <laughs> aid or whatever it was in the UK. So it was Jackie Smith, wasn't it? it was, the, was that her name? Who was the Home Secretary yeah, she was at that Home point. Secretary, yeah, yeah. 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 And she, she stepped down for two reasons, essentially. One, that she'd claimed, or her husband had claimed, a porn film in a hotel yeah. room think which it cost a tenner and the other thing i think this was her <laughs> she'd claimed one pound 50 for a bath plug They <laughs> go one pound 50 is literally it's approximately a billionth of the fraud <laughs> of president Sahata of indonesia and it kind of made you it made you sort of think we are We're, you know, whatever the way the system works. Yeah, I'm sure there are lots of corrupt politicians and all the rest of it. But actually, the level of corruption here at that point certainly was incredibly low. And in a funny, perverse kind of way, it went. We're really shit at corruption. We should just get better at corruption.
3: <laughs> yeah, so there is that. There yeah. is that. You'd have a bit more. Like, if she'd bought a billion bath plugs, which is probably what President Suharto yeah. was doing, then yeah, Mrs. Yeah. Suharto, what the fuck, not more? I'm just addicted. Yeah. Why can't you be addicted to crack? Like, I'm just addicted to bath plugs. <laughs> yeah. So, no, many, many, many things to talk to you about. But one of, of all the millions of things you've done, um, uh, but I do. I, it's, it's the thing people mostly want to talk to you about work wise is outnumbered as the thing that's had the hugest did, impact. Do you know what? It,
2: get, it absolutely divide When I was doing, um, when the Now shows on at the same time as Mock of the Week, is the same time as Outnumbered. It absolutely right. divided up into very distinct groups depending on where I was, right? So if I was um, picking my kids up from school, for example, Everybody mm-hmm. would talk to me about Mock the Wing. If I was in at that point, I lived in the South Downs. I lived in a very small village, and the only thing they had heard of in that village was Radio Four. Literally, it was the only thing they were right. interested in, and it was Radio Four. And if <laughs> if I went to my local branch of Waitrose, it was outnumbered. It's all all oh, right. Very sort of distinct groups of people. That's a sign, I suppose, of our um, of
3: our fragmented. We've we've got culture, is it? Because when we were kids, you know, I don't know. Say Double Your Money. I remember, like everybody knew. If I was to say to yeah. anyone of a certain age, <laughs> the name Monica Rose, who was the assist, Huey Green's assistant on do- Double Your Money, everybody knew. <laughs> now. If you're an assistant on a quiz show or something, you probably you're probably less known than the local. Uh, than the local
2: But you know. But, you know, it's very odd as well that I did... um, So I was in a sitcom years ago called My Hero, which was on BBC One for about six years, and I was a a doctor called Piers Crispin, odious doctor called Piers Crispin. (laughs) And um, the only place that that My Hero is shown now, pretty much, and it's still on, is in various bits of uh, Africa. It got (laughs) sold to... Right. Traffic. And I was down in Cornwall. I was on holiday in Cornwall. It was about 10 years ago. And this, this Blake stopped me. He was, uh, yeah, he, he stopped me. He was walking past the pub and he stopped me and he went, Excuse me, are you Dr. Piaz Crispin? And I went, Well, I was. I, I mean, I was, but 10 years ago, I, I definitely was. And he went, oh, You, sir. I have a very big star in Zimbabwe. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really nice black. He was walking a dog incidentally, with his. Uh, wife. Right. But he was, um, yeah. It's funny. Was the dog named after the Mugabe too. brothers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> so finally, so what is the next thing that, that you're doing? The Antwerp thing that you're, that, when's that going out? What's that?
2: That's, uh, that's, I'm not sure actually I think they're sort of editing it But at the moment, I'm, not, I'm having a lovely summer I'm um, right. just uh, pottering about I'm in the gap now that would normally have been filled by Mock the Week This is my, right. it having been cancelled So I'm sort of um, sitting here going You know, on the one hand going what? What? what, 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 what am I doing? What happens now? But on the other hand, I'm going, oh, this is great this is just great. It's quite sunny. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I don't yeah. know quite. I mean, that you know.
3: But what's it show, called, The Antwerp Show?
2: It's called The Couple Next Door. It's a channel for drama.
3: Does this mean that in years to come, you know, maybe it'll go out in, maybe it'll only go out in El Salvador, and one day you'll be walking <laughs> through Dorset and a man walking his dog will say, senor, you're a very famous man.
2: The funniest one that ever happened actually was sitting in, uh, I was sitting in Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam. I was waiting for a fight. I I wasn't going anywhere very exotic. And I fell asleep in a chair in the relaxation part of the airport. And I woke up with this bloke. Again, it was a large sort of South African man. I'm clearly quite big in South Africa. Huge sort of white South African sort of poor sort of looking bright and um he looked at me and he went he literally went i'd just woken up and he went jesus christ what are you doing here fuck and I, thought, <laughs> 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 I didn't know i didn't know whether we, we had a friend called there? fuck which i think possibly. <laughs> jesus christ what you doing here fuck <laughs> I'm really sorry. I have no idea. I have no idea
3: who you are. They <laughs> get a bad press, the board, but you know they—they can be yeah. lovely when they want to be,
2: can't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had all sorts of He so- thought he knew me from. He thought he knew me from. He thought I was a miner, or something, or sort of like um. He'd worked with me for some big mining with me for some big mining company. In Namibia, it's <laughs> <which is> strange. <Australian, laughs> who I met on a flight once. I a it's all that sort of region, isn't it? Your troubles. Yeah, yeah, they're all there. I had a yeah. man at Heathrow who came up to me and went. I was just having a cup of tea, <laughs> and um, he came up and went, "How are you?" And I said, "Well, I'm fine." I mean, I'm fine. I'm really sorry. And he went, "You, you." don't remember me, do you? You've literally, do you not remember me? And I said, um, no, I'm really, really sorry. I said, but I know you really well. I know you and your your wife, Helen, my wife, not called Helen. <laughs> I know you <laughs> and your wife, Helen. I said, well, where do you, I'm so sorry. I just don't, where do you know me from? I said, can we work together for 10 years? I said, where? Where, I'm so... where did we work together? And he went, Come on, Sainsbury's Hoban. brandy <laughs> really, really bikini. What and do you do this sort of thing, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and weirdly I had worked at Sainsbury's in Hoban, but I, it's, you don't know quite what to do in those circumstances, do you? Because you don't want to really hmm. sort of upset people, do you? the the one that um happens over and over
3: again is that people mistake me for mark thomas and i've even had people come up after a show with one of with a book with my book saying can you sign this book mr thomas and i say that's not me and they go yeah mark thomas so i signed it mark thomas i've i had a bloke at the cricket come up to me and say Oh, Mark Thomas, I'm such a fan of all the things you do and listed all these things that I'd not done, but clearly Mark Thomas had done. And he said, would you be able to do a, a benefit for us? So I said, yeah, I'm sure I would. I, and I sort of gave him Mark Thomas's sort of um, website and stuff. I don't know whether Mark Thomas ended up doing that
2: benefit. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? I had, again, just to end, Pete's going slightly mad. <laughs> but just you it, I, was at a, um, I did a documentary in a beer festival in Manchester, and this bloke came up to me and he went, you, he was quite pissed. He went, you were in the first series of The Young Ones. And I went, I'm, I, I wasn't, I'm afraid. I really, he went, you were, you were in the first series of The Young Ones. I went, I'm, No, I really, really wasn't. I said, you were? I said, no, That I mean, very kind of you to think that. That's sort of like the previous generation. So that was like Aid Edmondson and Rick May and that. I was not in that. And he went, "You were in the first series of the Young Ones." And I went, "No, I wasn't." And he went, "You were. You go home and you watch it." <laughs> and were you? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I completely forgot. <laughs>
3: I was in Casablanca, turns out. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much for explaining what the fuck is going on, Mr. Q. Dennis.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to be on. <laughs> thank you very much. Oh, what
3: the fuck is going on? Oh, what the fuck? Oh, what the fuck is going on? Britain's hardest-working MP, Nadine Boris, has somehow found time in between all her duties as a Member of Parliament to write a groundbreaking work of literature, and we're lucky enough to be able to bring you another extract from this seminal work.
0: The Plot and How I Lost It by Nadine Boris, aged 66 and three quarters. Chapter Two, Exile. Once upon a time, there was a good, kind and wise king called Boris, who led his people in a mighty battle against the evil shithouses of Brexit land. King Boris secretly fancied a beautiful woman called Noreen Harris, who was a princess and MP for Mid-Bedfordshire. Boris had been forced from his throne by the evil Rishi Sunak, king of the shithouses, just like that time when Jimmy the Horse was barred from the eagle for battering the fruit machine with a hammer. The loyal Princess Noreen followed King Boris into exile, saying, ''No, I will not come to the Kingdom of Parliament to make any boring speeches and that. I would rather spend the whole summer with nothing but a bowl of gruel and 22000 quid off the taxpayer.'' But then, the wicked goblins of the Common Standards Committee cast a spell on everyone, making them think it was unfair that I was be- that she was being paid for doing fuck all. Tough shit, you spindly wassock still living with your ma in a council flat, said the princess. I bet you haven't got your own show on talk TV, you shithousy little shithouses. What the fuck is-
3: Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It is because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you would like to join these wonderful, saintly, virtuous, magnificent, radiant people for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page. Or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Or... To be at the elite, the front of the peloton of people discovering what the fuck is going on. For just £4 a month, you will get a longer ad-free version of the episode. Ad-free. Nothing in this world is ad-free. Your dreams aren't ad-free. Your pets will have adverts shaved into their fur before long. But this will be ad-free with extended interviews and bonus sketches. This week, there's Britain's most patriotic man, Nigel Boulevard, talking about the European Whistling Directive. Also... You'll get episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait until Saturday mornings, just screaming in the park with the foxes downing Valium to get through to when the episode arrives. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. It has come to the time in the week when the nation sits down with uh, with its collective drink and awaits the announcements like in some futuristic society where the crackly tannoys blare across the symmetrical and sinister pavements to tell us what they should be thinking over the coming days. And the announcements are that I'm going to be in, oh, I'm going to be in like Chelmsford, for example, in Essex. Uh, You can look up when, the details don't matter. And I'm sure if you go to Chelmsford on a day, I'm not there. There'll be something going on in Chelmsford. I'll be in Peterborough again. I'm not entirely sure of the day, but uh, you know these things are all, all details. Uh, oh, 22nd of September in Chelmsford, and I'm going to be in Loughborough. Don't know if there's still tickets left for that one. And uh, um, you know, I don't know various tours. Uh, Inverness, you know, if you're up in there in Inverness, uh, at the beautiful Eden Court Theatre, and as I say, every week. If you can't get into, or if you can't go to the Chelmsford One and you live in Chelmsford, right next to the Chelmsford Theatre, then I think it is pretty much your duty to go the following night to Inverness, 21st of October. There we are. Um, now, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account as well as on Twitter and they want to know quite reasonably from a podcast called What the Fuck is Going On? They want to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. And all good on Twitter says, what the fuck? I tried to get tickets for October the tenth, Norwich. Fucking sold out. No need for language like that, Norfolk. Good. It was sodding easy previously. Before you we were a bleeding superstar. Oh, I've been out so Norwich out for a long while. So, uh, can you squeeze an extra performance schedule permitting on the 9th? I believe the playhouse is free. I like that you've gone into that to that level of level of detail. If you bloody well, t- you don't associate this sort of language with Norfolk, do you? Now, imagine somebody saying this. Uh, what the fuck? I tried to get tickets for October the 10th. It's fucking sold out, isn't that? It? it was fucking easy for you. you. were a fucking superstar. I'm sure you can squeeze in an extra one, ninth. I believe the playhouse is free. He then goes on to say, if you bloody well don't, I'll have my tattoo of you surgically removed and plate replaced with Michael McIntyre. Well, I don't mind Michael McIntyre, so that's okay. And I, and I uh, But anyway, nonetheless, I will... Ask if we can do an extra one. If I put on an extra one and there's only you there, or even worse, if even you don't turn up Norfolk and good, I shall be um, asking questions. Tara Louise Chambers, one of our Patreon supporters, asks, Hi, Mark. What the fuck is going on with the Women's World Cup, where Germany, Brazil and Italy have all been eliminated during the group stages? Uh, uh, Africa, she says, Africa are rising, but... hmm doesn't look like it now does it uh if we laugh at germany's early exit would that be schadenfreude yeah very good um well anna one of the marvelous things about about equality is when you're truly equal and i think uh, it's brilliant now women's football now is just an established part of the sporting world and there is no argument about it except for the absolute nutcases on the fringes and that's it and that's one now it's a it's a perfectly it, it's as much a part of the sporting world as women's tennis or women's a- athletics and uh, but so much so that a number of the a number of the sort of conditions that have uh, been in part of the of men's football for years have arrived in women's football. One of which is that the commentators routinely underestimate the opponents. Well, England really shouldn't have much trouble against Nigeria, and so they were and they were completely outplayed by Nigeria. And then the commentary was ridiculously biased and so on i mean a, a penalty that was definitely a penalty if that if that uh if that nigerian hadn't been there the wind would have gone in a different direction and not caught the english uh forward uh forcing her to f- hurl herself to the ground uh England beat Nigeria on penalties in the end. And by the time you listen to this, may have beaten Colombia or lost to Colombia. We don't know. But uh, yeah, uh, there's something tremendously exciting about it, if you're sports obsessed like me. And uh, Diana Copleston, also on Patreon, has asked, is it okay to stamp on someone's back if you're female? This refers to the English player who stood on a Nigerian's back. Women's football has achieved equality. (laughs) Uh, It really isn't. And and you'll get there'll be a women there'll be a woman's version of Roy Keane soon. Even if you don't follow football, the pundits you don't need to know anything about football for that. It's a soap opera. You get someone who's sort of a bit erudite, one who laughs all the time, and then you get a hard one like Roy Keane, who says things like, uh, "Well, I mean, you know, the defenders got past him, and the defenders got past him, and I mean, he should have." He, needs, he should have attacked him with the sword. And you, you don't for trophies if you're not prepared to, to attack someone with the sword. And that's uh, <laughs> now we're arriving at the women's version of that. I'm sure. Like, no, it's because she's stamped on, his, on her back. It's, it's healthy. John K. Billsbury, one of our patron supporters with a marvellous name that sounds like a science fiction writer, says What the fuck is going on with the space time continuum? Science fiction, indeed. Nadine Boris seems to have put a dent in the space time continuum saying she was resigning as an MP with immediate effect on June the 23rd, but somehow she's still there seven weeks later. Now, this is all because of the sort of way that the finances, the wages and stuff work, and she's she's clearly after. I don't know if she wants to change her mind. or I don't know what it is, but it's obviously obviously she's not thinking of other people, and she's not honouring the things she said she was doing. With immediate effect, seven weeks later, she's still there. But I wonder whether Nadine Boris maybe has disrupted the space-time continuum and Brian Cox will emerge saying, Astonishingly, sometimes, immediately, doesn't take place for another seven weeks. If we look at this part of the universe, Nadine Boris has bent the mass around the planets so that gravity is twisting the space-time continuum, forcing Nadine Boris to remain in office for several weeks after she has pledged to resign with immediate effect, causing the by-election to be postponed for several thousand years. Now, you can't work out what the fuck is going on without having the word of the younger generation, the uh, Generation W or, I don't know, bilennials or whatever they're called. But not only that, you need to know in August what's happening in Edinburgh. Luckily, we have someone who can be the voice of both of those constituent parts of human society. Elliot Steele. Hello. Hello. and is this a bit early? I know that the Edinburgh there's a sort of five hour time zone difference during the Edinburgh Festival. It's actually six in the morning, even though it's eleven here.
1: No, it's it's pretty good. I've I've only had I've had two nights out um, since I've been here. One was till four, and one right. was still five. But I was fine. I wasn't like I wasn't I wasn't hammered. I wasn't getting smashed. It was just you, you, I was just
3: out out till. It is amazing in Edinburgh at the festival that when I was younger, not now, that I would sometimes think, oh, right, I've had a really quiet one and been sensible and got back, and I'm in bed by three in the morning.
1: Yeah, but it's like 5 a.m. is 2
3: a.m. Yeah. So it's a three-hour time difference. So, how was, was the show? All right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like selling out and stuff, so that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. you know, getting lights out of the school and, like, getting good reviews and all of that stuff.
3: Right. Um, what's the most... Uh, what's the... After publication that's done a review,
1: oh, there's one coming out. I think there, this is a thing with Edinburgh is Sometimes you'll see someone post something like, I got five stars from Fringe Toaster,
3: and you Fringe go, toaster, Is that an actual?
1: And then, is yeah, that a real and then one? you go, yeah, yeah, I think so. And then you go, That's not, you're not allowed <laughs> to put that on your poster. And yeah, there then you, you are, you get it. Then you get it and you go, it's a valid publication. It's a <laughs> Fringe toaster.
3: Yeah. Fringe We're looking toaster. for shows that mention toasters.
1: Well, Matt, Matt, you, Matt Ewins is one of the funniest uh, people alive, not just good English, but people. He created a, a thing, I think it was called Fringe Golf. And it was, just, uh, it was just, he would just write, he wouldn't even go see the show. So like Richard Gadd years ago, it, yeah. it was like the only way you could get five stars is if your show at some point mentioned golf. All right, and then <laughs> and then so he went to see Richard Gadd's shot, and Richard Gadd did this—you've uh, seen it, like this powerful piece of theatre yeah, 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 about so cool. masculinity, sexual assault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really powerful stuff. Mm. And so the review that it got in the Fringe Golf that Matt you has written was like. This is one of the most important bits of theatre ever created. Possibly one of the greatest shows the Edinburgh Festival has ever seen, detailing masculinity and the effects of a sexual assault can have. No mention of golf, though. One star.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The best review, of course, uh, uh, back uh, the the very much missed and amazing figure of Malcolm Hardy, you know this story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he published his own review. Yeah, so Malcolm Hardy got to know <laughs> Malcolm Hardy got to know this Malcolm Hardy. For people who don't know, he was very much a sort of man of Greenwich, a man of the river uh, in South London, and he was a character that you would expect to see in sort of uh, stories about Victorian London or something. He was just a a crook, a beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> no, crooks are horrible because it makes it sound like dishonest. But he was, he would be. He was just sort of, he would set up gigs that were just a bit mad. He would put on a gig and then he would, he, he put on. in fact, he was the founder of Up the Creek, it was a big comedy club. And then if somebody wasn't going very well or someone was his mate, he would just walk behind them on the stage when they didn't notice, completely naked except for a pair of green socks with holes in them and a
1: well, pair of glasses famously, over his nose. Fam- he famously pissed on a audience member, didn't he, when he they said beer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but- look. <laughs> Me too's done some good things, but we have we have lost a little bit of the of the art. Yeah, oh, it has yeah, taken I a mean, little bit know. of the art. I don't
3: I don't think he would. I don't think any of this would necessarily come within the orbit of things me too. were oh, you
1: you 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 you! If you pissed in someone's beer now, if you were on stage, <laughs> the pandemonium! The, the, the it would... <laughs> It
3: <laughs> would, then would be, there would be. No, you've a got to. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but you've got to go to jail. You can't be like, that. If someone's beer is falling asleep in the front row. I don't think you should. No. I, what about what about the crime of falling asleep in the front row?
1: No, should I, there be I, no I,
3: punishment I, for that? If not pissing no, your beer, I, what? I,
1: I'm, I, am i I'm not against Malcolm <laughs> doing it. I, but, I, but, yeah, it's,
3: uh, you know, it's bold. <laughs> hard to follow. <laughs> it is it's very hard to follow. And amongst the sort of, uh, there was a guy called. Oh, am I going to get his name right? I think it was called Eric Bogosian or something. It was the first. It was the first sort of first wave of. There was a certain sort of American comic that would come over, and they were playing a character. Yeah. Hey, I'm crazy. I'm wild. Anything can happen. But it was. It was sort of. They weren't really wild. They were playing a character, yeah. and it was quite. He did some pretentious interviews, and Malcolm. Uh, one night, it, it was in one of the big tents that he was doing this show, this Eric Borgogian, and he was the sort of face of the fringe that year. And yeah. Malcolm nicked a forklift truck and drove onto the stage behind him while what? he was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What?
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> 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 and I thought, well, who said "It's wild? So not even going to happen, all that, right, fucking forklift truck. <laughs> so,
1: so, <laughs> Uh, but it's it's much more professional up here now like the bars are empty and stuff really wow. in terms of yeah yeah like even in like you know Abattoir which is a place I always hang out mm. um and things like that it's it's weird like to explain to people it's kind of clicks depending on what bar you're in so the Pleasance bar for the artist is called the Brooks bar and that's that's full of fucking nerds and then uh that's like the Dweeby bar and then, hmm. then, Abattoir was like the sort of cooler one where people would get hammered and stuff. Then you had the assembly bar that was full of like all these crazy street performers, not street oh, right. performers, but like cabaret people oh, right, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And that, but, but that's quite a fun place. And then there's another one. Oh, and then there's Loft Bar in Gilded, which no one seems to go to anymore. Oh, no, right. Yeah.
3: Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's worth
1: noting. Loft, Loft Bar used to be the one that would be stay open till five. And, and the assembly yeah. does as well, but you'd be there till five AM, and it was yeah.
3: That was always a that was always a big back night. in the very olden days. Uh, you could then go to a pub that postal workers used to go to, um, called the Penny Black, that was down in Leith. Oh, hmm. oh, there's a I, I know
1: they don't. I do went this in there with like- Mark
3: Lamar once, and we got in a, 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 a got in an argument because someone kept putting the Eagles on the jukebox, and uh, yeah. I said, "Who's putting the eagles on the Duke?" It was this huge bloke? I am. I like the eagles. <laughs> what, what happened then? Well, yeah, Lamar, Lamar, defused uh, the situation. Yeah,
1: Mark Lamar as ever first was the, the ball, ever the ever first the, the diplomat.
3: Of ever the yeah. diplomat. <laughs> Wondering. <Yeah>. What- <laughs> <laughs> I've just uh, uh, written something for um uh for a one of these things you have to do when you've got some shows coming up as I have and I've wrote some of magazine they wanted five they wanted the five five hundred words on five gigs that change your life or some mm. I don't know so um one of the ones I thought was the tunnel club which was run by Malcolm hardy and mm. uh, the tunnel club I'm sure we've mentioned this in this podcast before it was this absolutely A crazy place full of South London boys in a club in a very sticky, cavernous, gloomy room at the entrance to the Blackwall Tunnel on the south side. And there was a nearby bitumen factory that, you know, the roofing stuff or whatever, and it stunk. Uh, And it was really rough. And it was, uh, and they were famously, this is where there was a guy doing a routine about Star Trek that wasn't going very well. And a bloke shouted, It's comedy, Jim, but not as we know it. And that (laughs) was, yeah, that sort of thing. And, and i'll say it was one i did i went on there once just a little bit cocky for ah yeah i'm all right right here. Yeah. and then the bottle started flying and i was gone within about a minute and a half <laughs> and lo- loads of comics used to go there and they were going mark that was terrible i'm just so sorry for you i mean malcolm's got to sort this place out and jeremy Hardy was there and he came up and went well you fucked that up yourself didn't you wanker and uh, that's how we become late <laughs> so yeah that was the 1980s <laughs> he was right though none of that this year in Edinburgh no no but, uh, and just to remind people where you're on uh, I am on at the Daily Belly a
1: horribly named room on the Cowgate underbelly uh, Cowgate's a bit big this year actually but my show's doing alright which is you know all that really matters and uh, that's how you think when you're up there so there's a big graffiti sign outside that someone spray painted Tony Smith is a pedo I uh, generally looked at it and went can't pay for that kind of publicity <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's selling out now <laughs> oh, no, yeah, like, oh, bad on he's him. selling out in george street
3: <laughs> man re, it just recreated our all our senses of boundaries of colour and space and paedophilia tony smith five stars is that his name yeah tony smith right uh thank you very much elliot Steele. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast if you've liked it rate it and if you can be bothered write a review if you can't be bothered then painstakingly spend hours on the review writing it preferably in several different languages if there is anything at all that you think i should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it please send me a message on twitter at wtf is going on pod at wtf is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send if you would like to become a WTF supporter for as little as £2 a month and get early access to ad-free and extended versions, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? It was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, you, Dennis, and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Willie Dowley. It was produced by Mike Penwell at Carousel Studios. What the fuck is going on? It was brought to you by WTF Productions.